As we prepare to hear the message, let's say together a prayer as we read from the word. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. I'm reading today from Joshua chapter 24, the first three verses and then verses 14 through 25, and I'm reading from the NRSV translation. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Now therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Skyview. Thank you so much to Pastor Stu and Pastor Brittany, Pastor Ryan, for giving me the privilege of preaching this morning. To uh, share your pulpit, as I've said before, is a bit like sharing your toothbrush. It's pretty, you know, you don't do that easily. So I appreciate the confidence, and I promise to keep it all clean and shiny. Hardest part of this morning for me was actually getting my mask off without pulling off my mic. And I'm really proud of myself. I think I did that quite well, actually. But I'll tell you what, I want to make a deal with you this morning. I'm going to take a moment to pray. And I'm going to ask that you would pray for me, that the words that I have to share with you are God's words anointed by the Holy Spirit that you need to hear. And I will pray that you will have the ears to hear what God wants to say to you this morning. And that we'll both leave, all of us leave, a bit more like Jesus than when we came in. So let's pray together, shall we? You pray for me, I'll pray for you. God, our refuge and strength, bring near the day when wars shall cease and poverty and pain shall end, that earth may know the peace of heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Memory intrigues me, amazes me, confuses me, and sometimes escapes me. Why do I remember where my high school locker was and forget where I parked my car at the mall or what my license number is? Why is it that I can recall the lyrics to a Beatles song that was popular when I was a teenager more than half a century ago? Oh, boy. But I sometimes can't remember my cell phone number. Why can I remember and recite the Lord's Prayer in the 23rd Psalm in King James English? but I can't remember the three things that Linda sent me to the store to pick up. And why, when I looked out the window this morning from our place, couldn't I remember the heat of July as I looked at the snow and the wind of November? I mean, really. The human memory is amazing, confusing, inspiring, amusing. This Wednesday is Remembrance Day a day when Canadians and indeed people around the world remember men and women who served in a number of wars and when Canadians particularly remember 115,941 men and women who lost their lives in the Boer War, in World War I, in World War II, in the Korean police action, which was never actually declared a war, and the conflict in Afghanistan. It's a day not to glorify war. Oh, no. Talk to any veteran, anyone who served in the military. It's not a day to glorify war or to celebrate war, but to solemnly remember. It's a day to recall sacrifice and sorrow, but also to celebrate courage and camaraderie. So I would like to suggest to you this morning that for those of who are worshipers of God and disciples of Jesus Christ, Christ followers, every day is a day to recall and to remember what God has done in centuries past and is doing today in our lives and in our world as we work together 
to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So with the assistance of a rather lengthy reading from Joshua this morning, I'd like us to think a bit about and remind us all of what we need to remember and to suggest to you some ways in which we might, I might, just remember things a bit more clearly and a bit more readily when it comes to the work of God in our lives and in our world. What should we remember? Setting the context in Joshua, Joshua, the great general and leader of the children of Israel, one of the original spies who snuck in and spied out the promised land, chosen and anointed by Moses and by God to lead the children of Israel across the river and into the land that God had promised them, has led them into the land, and they have possessed it. He gathers the people together and says, now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one thing has failed of all the good things that the Lord has promised you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Joshua 23 and 14. Joshua knows that he's approaching the end of life. And I always think that if we were to listen to the words of what someone had to say who knew that within a few short days or hours or months they would not be with us any longer, they would die. I would suggest to you that we would listen pretty carefully because people don't mess around at the end of their life. If they say something to us, they say it because it's important, because they want us to remember it, because it can change our lives and change our world. These words that I read are the words of an almost dying man, Joshua, the great leader, and what does he say? Remember. Remember what God has done for you in the past, Israel. Remember God's faithfulness and provision. Remember his love and his protection, his warnings and his discipline. Do not forget who and whose you are. To borrow a phrase from our lead pastor, could I have an amen? Thank you. It works, Stu. We didn't read verses 4 through 13 of Joshua 24, but if you do have time later to take a look at those verses and listen to them in your heart, they contain a partial list of what Joshua tells the children of Israel God has done in their past to bring them safely to the point that they are at now. Soon, Joshua, the visible and physical reminder of the grace and the power and the victory of God will go, as it says, the way of all flesh. He will die. He will leave them. It has been said, not too profoundly, that nobody gets out of this world alive. Not even Joshua. Those verses contain this list, and Joshua is soon to go and be done, will no longer be with them as a visible reminder. And so he says to them, remember. Don't forget. Remember. Don't forget where you have come from and how you got here. And don't for one minute think that God, who has been with you, will leave you just because I'm no longer with you. When the world pushes in hard upon us, like it is during these COVID days, when we feel out of control and afraid of what our future holds, remember how God has guided and protected and led you in the past 
And therefore, we can say with confidence that somewhat simplistic but nevertheless true maxim, we do not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. This world is not out of control in spite of what it may look like. God has not removed himself from your life or my life. God is with us. God is here. God will never leave us. We are held in the palm of God's hand, the Scripture tells us. Our name is inscribed there. Another picture of how intimately God knows us and loves us. And he knows and loves you this morning. Maybe you need to hear that. I don't know. But I would think even in a crowd, a group this size, which is not all that huge, but those of you who are watching, there's someone, at least one person, who needs to hear this morning that God loves you and cares for you. He's not forgotten you. He never will. Remember. 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 Joshua says to Israel, don't fear and don't forget. The unknown can and often is disconcerting and frightening. I don't like to be out of control. I'm a, a bit of a control freak, as they would describe me. I, I don't like things that are happening that I can't control. I've had to learn in the church that I can't control everything as much as I try, and maybe I shouldn't. It's frightening to me. It makes me nervous. Sometimes with good reason. But I do try to remember, and I most times do remember, that we can trust in God. God doesn't play games with us. God isn't fooling with us. We're not chess pieces on some board of chess in the celestial heavens. God loves us. God cares for us. More than we can even imagine. And even when our future does not seem clear to us, and does not play out perhaps the way that we wanted it to, still, remember, God cares for you. Do not forget who you are. You are a beloved son or daughter of God, the creator God of the universe. He knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. He will never, never, never leave you. And there is nothing on heaven or in hell or in this world that can separate you from the love of God shown to us in Christ Jesus. That is a fact. Believe it and trust it. Fear not what the future may have or may not have for you. Remember. But how? Ah, as my friend Willie Shakespeare said, aye, there's the rub. How? Now, there are a lot of books and a great number of websites that would claim to have the key to having a good memory. And I've read some and I've looked at many. Some of them have really good suggestions, really good tricks that can help us with a poor memory to develop a better one. Now, some of the suggested techniques really do work, and I've adopted a few. For example, I know that when I go home after this service, I need to put my keys in a small wooden jar, wooden, but what's it called? Box. I'm going to say it's a box. That sits. See, I can't remember what it is, but I'm going to put my keys there because it sits right outside our main bathroom door, just near the door when we walk into our condo. And I know that if I don't put my keys and possibly my cell phone there, when I go to do something later today, I'm going to say, where are my keys? And Linda's going to say, where did you leave them? And I'm going to say, I don't know. If I knew, I wouldn't be looking for them. But I know if they're in that box, that wooden dish, I'm going to find them. 
I know that it's very helpful to set a reminder on Google Calendar if I have a, uh, something to do, like preaching at Skyview Sunday morning, 10.30. Because at 10 o'clock it goes beep or something else, and I, oh, I've got something to do. I know now I need to do that, and I know that if I don't, I'm probably going to forget something important. I know that if I want to remember content better, I need to write it down. I learned that when I was a student studying, and it's still true today. If I want to memorize something, I want to remember something, I need to write it down when I'm trying to learn it. And so I have used, I don't think wasted, a lot of scrap paper in my educational endeavors as I try to remember things. Which reminds me of another thing. How come I can remember all the coordinate and subordinate conjunctions that I memorized in grade 8? And sometimes I can't remember where my keys are. Ah, weird. When, where, while, though, unless, although, whether, because, less than, since, as, as if, if, after, before, until, for, so that provided. Impressed? <clears throat> Talk about trivia. <laughs> I know that I tend to remember names better if I say aloud the names when I'm introduced. This is John Schmidlap. Oh, hello, John Schmidlap. Hello, John. Got to say it aloud, and maybe I'll remember it. And I find sometimes by praying aloud in my private devotional times, I am more aware that God is present and hearing what I say. Recommend it to you. Each morning when I get dressed, I place around my neck a small chain bearing a cross. I've had it for years. But it's a reminder at the start of every day of the presence of God in my life. I try, though I don't always succeed, to have a regular daily time with God in quiet meditation and scripture and in prayer. And the visible presence of my Bible and my journal and whatever I'm reading devotionally beside the chair where I regularly sit to do that is a reminder to me of God's presence in my life. Other times I forget. Sometimes I do. And the insignificant things are annoying and embarrassing. But sometimes I forget things that are really important. And that can have more tragic consequences. I take some medications. If I don't take them in the morning, mm, something may happen later in the day that I don't want to happen. I need to remember that. How can I, how can we remember these things that are truly necessary, even essential to remember? Joshua reminds the people of the need to put away certain things if they are to remember the call and command to serve God. Our lives can become so cluttered that sometimes we must put things away. Put them aside to make time for more important things and persons, like God, like our family. The people of Israel are to prioritize the things that they are doing, to prioritize the things that they must remember, and to clear out the clutter of their lives. Anybody here with a cluttered life? Yeah, most of us. Sometimes we need to do a little house cleaning in our inner home. The story is told of a professor. He was an ichthyologist, which is a $25 word for a studier of fish. Now, that makes me think and imagine investing in a PhD to learn about fish, but that's what he did. And he was a very good professor, and he had taught for many, many years. But one day he got to the point where he realized that every time he remembered or memorized the Latin name of another fish, he forgot the name of a student. And so he had to decide what was the most important thing for him to remember. 
the Latin name of another fish when he knew a couple of thousand, or the name of the student who was sitting in front of him. If we would remember the most important things, we must regularly to get rid of the clutter and the least important things. What might that look like? Perhaps the bitterness, the anger, the envy. Those memories that haunt us and get in the way of remembering the better things, the love of God, the friendship of our family and friends, the grace given to us in our lives daily. Joshua describes God as being jealous. It's an interesting phrase, an interesting word. Always troubled me a little bit. Somehow it's hard for me to think of God as being jealous. But what he meant, I believe, is that God will not turn a blind eye to unfaithfulness. Are there idols in our lives that have taken the space that belongs only to the Creator? We may need to declutter. Clear the clutter if you want to remember the important. The verses that follow the Joshua passage read this morning, which again, we didn't read, give a description of the setting up of a covenant, of making a, a solemn agreement, a contract, if you will, a promise. And in verse 26, Joshua is described as writing down in the book of the law and then setting up a large stone saying, quote, this stone shall be a witness against us for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you if you deal falsely with God. Have you got a, a stone in your life? Have you got a, an anchor? Have you got a place, a point, a season, a time, a verse that reminds you of what you have agreed to do with God and God with you? We need those reminders. We do. That is the purpose of what is called icons in a more formal tradition than ours. Sometimes looked askance by those of us of an evangelical persuasion, but I have grown to appreciate and love the beauty and the task of an icon, which is not to be worshiped, but to remind us. To remind us. We need to be reminded. Perhaps you grew up as I did with a picture near your dining room or kitchen table of an old man bowing his head in prayer over a simple meal of bread and cheese and whatever. I can see that picture, simple picture, cheap picture. Ours was probably just a copy. I'm sure it was. A reminder not only to say grace, but a reminder each time I saw it, each time I still see it, where ultimately our sustenance comes from and who is to be thanked physically, spiritually. You have a family Bible in your home. Hopefully not sitting under a philodendron or a fern, but... If you have a family Bible, that's a reminder. It may be filled with names of past ancestors and hard-worn and, and dog-eared or dog-chewed if you happen to have a puppy in the house. Right, Brittany? <laughs> but it's a reminder. As you see it and look at it, it's a reminder. A reminder of God. A reminder of the fact that God loves you. Remembering doesn't happen automatically to most of us. This wedding ring that I wear, that I've worn since June the 26th, 1971, is a visible and powerful and constant reminder to me each time I see it of a covenant entered into by my wife and myself in the presence of God and witnesses, and of the friend, the partner, the woman who loves me unconditionally, 
who puts up with my puns and even laughs occasionally. It reminds me of how much she loves me and how much I love her. The phrase, lest we forget, the last post, Reveille. The hymn, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. The images of red poppies and white crosses are all poignant reminders of Remembrance Day. But as I close, let us put aside November the 11th, as important as it is, and bring a more personal and deeply spiritual focus to the act of remembering. Remember a time and a place where God became more than a concept, but became a reality to you. Remember. Remember the song or the hymn or the prayer or the preacher, the book or the poem or the film, the person who became God's instrument to call you to himself. Remember the prayer that was spoken out of realization or out of desperation and was heard by the one who loved and loves you completely. Remember a time when there was no way but then there was a way. Remember. 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 And rejoice. And be thankful. Amen. <laughs>